Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring TMA with Nick Hamilton, Extra Dose. This is TMA with Nick Hamilton. Wake your goat mouth ass up. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what this is coming down through the audience, but look like he just came out of the basement. TMA with Nick Hamilton. You know what I'm saying? Thank you because because now. Now we bring on our buddy Nick Hamilton. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to a new edition of TMA with Nick Hamilton. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be on this planet. Got to have a jam-packed show for you once again on this episode. LeBron James claps back at a world-famous soccer player. Also, what do Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, and Deshaun Watson all have in common? And we finally find out where J.J. Watt is headed for the next couple of years. Also, we have a very special guest coming in. He is a news and sports personality, the host of the Big Brother Jake podcast. The one and only Jake Warner will be joining us, stopping by for a minute, giving us some insight on the NBA, uh, NBA All-Star Weekend, the Golden Globes, winners and losers, were there really any snubs, all that and more here on TMA with Nick Hamilton. Now, make sure you follow me on Instagram at Nick Hamilton LA, as well as Facebook, and you can follow me on Twitter at Nick Hamilton 213. Now, LeBron James and the Lakers are currently on a two-game winning streak thanks to the return of Dennis Schroeder. They destroyed the Golden State Warriors on Sunday, and they also beat a very competitive Portland Trailblazers team led by Damian Lillard, who still doesn't get any respect, which I still don't understand, but that's another conversation for another day. However, LeBron James did not escape without talking about a particular topic that was brought up to him. And that was based upon some comments that Slaton, the world famous soccer player and the former LA galaxy player had to say about LeBron James and his activism. Let's take a listen to what Slaton had to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I liked a lot. And uh, I mean, he's a phenomenal in what he's doing, but I don't like when people, when they have a, they, some kind of status and they go in and they do politics at the same time what they're doing. I mean, do what you're good at. Do the category you do. I play football because I'm the best in playing football. I don't do politics. If I would be a political politician, I would do politics. That is the big, first mistake people do when they become famous and they come in a certain st- uh, status. Stay out of it. Just do what you're best at because it doesn't look good. All right. So that's what he had to say. Now, here's what I have to say about that before I'll play the clip with LeBron responding back to Slaton. Number one, it always it's always a head scratcher to me when you have folks that are not black or a person of color always quick to engage with the war of words when it comes to media and always quick to criticize somebody when they're not doing as much or more than the person that's in the middle of the fire, so to speak, meaning LeBron James, meaning black people, myself and many other black people and people of color that face racism, inequality, oppression, systemic and institutionalized racism, police brutality, the list goes on and on. 
And it's always funny to me when you have a guy like Slaton, who only spent two years in the United States, as I mentioned earlier, with the Los Angeles Galaxy. And if you follow MLS, I've been to Galaxy games. I've been I've been able to cover the Galaxy for many, many years before I, I ended up taking a break for a moment. And I was also fortunate to be able to cover LAFC games, which is their rival uh, that's that's located in downtown Los Angeles, uh, Expo Park. When I've gone to those games, when I tell you there are a large amount of Latino people that come out and support these teams and support their players. And we all know what the Latino community has faced from day one dealing with this country. So for you to have that level of insensitivity when it comes to a black man speaking up on real issues like LeBron James and the fact that you are a hypocrite because a few years ago, you also spoke about some sort of discrimination when it came to people looking at you because of your last name and what that last name lineage represented. So now all of a sudden you have the, the gall and the audacity to, to criticize LeBron James? What the hell have you done? First of all, who the hell are you to even speak about LeBron James in that particular manner when you have no idea what it's like being black in America? Have you ever been black in America? No. So how the hell are you supposed to criticize somebody and talk about, oh, I don't like it when they mix politics with sports. You're good at sports. Just do that. That sounds like to me, shut up and dribble and boy, learn your place. That's what that sounds like to me. And I'm sure it sounded like that to LeBron James, who eloquently and was able to really, truly articulate his words carefully and still clap back at Slaton. Because I don't know if I would have been able to do that. I would have went much harder. I would have been, I would have went Machiavelli style on Slaton in my response. And most wouldn't have liked it because of the way I said what I said. And I'm sure LeBron wanted to say some other things, but he could, he maintained his cool, he maintained his poise, which I can respect and appreciate. And his words were just as potent as if he said it in, in a different way. I'm not taking anything away from his words, but I'm saying if it were me and you came at me, I'm going to clap back at your ass. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Because what you said, Slaton, was out of pocket in total disrespect. First of all, and it always is amazing to me that people, especially some foreign people, always want to mix, and people even here, people in this country, want to mix politics with social issues. This is not a, this has what LeBron James speaks up on. When he talks about, you know, criminal justice reform, when he talks about voter suppression, when he talks about police brutality and injustices, and when he talks about slavery, and how it's often it's interesting how people want us to forget about slavery, but no, but you don't say that to any other nationality or race that's been involved with with the with any type of form of de, of destruction when it comes to their people. Nobody has any words for that. When it comes to black folks and descendants of African slaves, we're supposed to forget about it and be so so nice and so quick and so appreciative to have an opportunity here that we're supposed to get what happened. And deal with 400 plus years of oppression and racism. No, that's not how it goes. And I'm so glad that LeBron James had the gall to stand up and not just wipe it away and not just roll his eyes 
like Skip Bayless thought he should have done. I'm so happy that LeBron James used his platform and continues to use his platform and his voice to be able to speak to these types of issues. Because if you don't speak on these issues and you can and you sweep them under the rug, guess what's going to happen? Nothing's going to change. And nobody's going to talk about having change because no one talks about it. There's no conversations. There's no there's no clapbacks. There are no retorts, as it were. So for me, I'm glad that LeBron James had this to say. No, nah, uh, absolutely not. I mean, because at the end of the day, um, you know, I would never uh, shut up about things that's um, that's wrong. Um, I, I preach about my people and I preach about, uh, you know, equality, um, social injustice, racism, um, you know, sy systematic uh, uh, voting, uh, voter suppression, um, things that go on in our community. Um, because I was a part of my community at one point and seeing the things that was going on and I know that you know what's going on still because I have a, a group of uh, 300 plus kids at my school that's going through the same thing and they need a, a voice um, um, And I'm their voice. I'm their voice and I use my platform to continue to shed light on everything that may be going on Not only in my community, but around the uh, you know this country and around the world. So um, you know if, if, if there's no reason uh, well, no, I won't say no reason, but there's no way uh, I will ever just stick to sports because I understand how, um, you know, how this platform and how powerful my voice is. Um, and he can just ask uh, Renee uh, Montgomery, uh, you know, if I would have shut up and just dribbled. Um, seeing that beautiful black woman today, um, you know, be a part of a, a group um, where she's part of an ownership group now with the Atlanta Dream down in Atlanta. And uh, it's funny he say that because I believe in like 2018, he was the same guy who said uh, when he was back in Sweden, talking about the same things um, because his last name wasn't a certain last name that uh, he felt like it was some racism going on when he was out on the pitch. Um, right? He did say that, right? Yeah, I thought he was, I thought he said that. So um, I speak from a very educated mind. Um, so um, I'm kind of the wrong guy to actually go at because I do my homework. And LeBron is absolutely right, because for the most part, he does do his homework when it comes to various issues. I mean, I'm, I'm happy that he even mentioned the fact that we have ownership. A black woman is owning a WNBA franchise in Renee Montgomery, who we all know with the situation with the Atlanta Dream with Kelly Loeffler, who was a known racist, who has been a known supremacist and finally got her out of the paint. Because a lot of the players, not just for the Atlanta Dream, but players across the WNBA stood in solidarity and made their voices heard and pretty much led the brigade as it pertains to giving attention to such a very important issue like racism, like oppression and inequality. So that was a huge milestone. I'm glad LeBron James highlighted that as well. But back to Slotton. You want people to stick to sports, but it's funny how you didn't say anything. And don't come, don't approach me on this, on this, on these airwaves and on this show, and and say, oh well, you know, uh, LeBron didn't speak up anything about China and what's going on with China. Listen, what's going on in China and whatever their their humanity, you know, lack of humanitarian. Uh, or human issues are going on on in that country, you know, hey, that, that's a terrible situation. But let me know when folks in China 
stand up in solidarity and speak up on police brutality and the racism that black people face on a daily basis. Let me know when they stand up. Then we can have a, a civil conversation about what's going on in another country. See, you always, always want us to talk. You always want people and people want to criticize people like LeBron James and others that are spoken out about police brutality and racism and all that. But you you then you want to move the needle, so to speak, and say, well, LeBron is, is foul because he didn't address the issues that are going on in China because he's connected with Nike and da, 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 da. all these other issues. But you never once address the issues that he he brought up and others like myself and many other people bring up on a constant basis about what's going on in this country in the united states of america you don't want to talk about that you always want to find some type of out or some type of es escape when it comes to talking about real issues so no we're not i don't i don't need lebron to talk about what's going on in china because that doesn't directly affect us. I'm sorry to say it may sound insensitive. I don't mean it to be insensitive, but the issues that face us are what goes on in this country on a daily basis. When I see people being shot and killed and maimed and brutalized by those who are sworn to protect us with our tax dollars, when I see white supremacists hunting us down like we are dogs or like we're some type of cattle, in the case of Amon Aubrey and many others. So when we start talking about those issues, then you can start criticizing people like LeBron James and others once we get these issues under control. Then you can start talking about what goes on outside of this country. But until such time, I don't want to hear it. It's, it, it, falls on, it. It falls on deaf ears here because it makes no sense. you rather talk about what goes on in another country than deal with what goes on right in front of you. Where's the logic in that? Where's the humanity in that? That's what I like to know. So LeBron James was absolutely right in what he said. And for and, and the, the issues that we face, Slotan will never, ever face. I don't care what he deals with. He will never face those issues that we face as black people in this country. And other people of color as well. I'm all for equality. I'm all for justice. But I'll be damned if I'm going to sit up here and allow someone like Slaton to try to continue to perpetuate the syndrome and the stereotype of black people need to shut up and dribble or shut up and just do your job and keep your head down. Hell no. Those days were far from over. And there's been a resurgence as of late with folks standing up for what is right. Even folks that are not black have stood up for things that aren't right against us. So you think black people should just stand back and just not do anything? Are you crazy? And that's the thing that this it's not about politics. This is a humanitarian issue. This is not a political issue. Racism, inequality, oppression, sexism, hatred is a bipartisan issue. It doesn't matter what political affiliation you have. It's either right or wrong. And we all, those of us that know know that they, they, those things are wrong and need to be addressed and fixed. And we've been saying this for centuries. So stop telling us how to think, stop telling us how to protest, and stop telling us how to speak. You don't have the right to do that. You don't have the, the, the goal, you don't have, you have not earned the right to do that. 
So I applaud LeBron James for continuing to use his voice and many others. And I'm going to continue to use my voice on the platforms that I continue to, to, to earn and be on. Because it is, a, it, is a, it is a responsibility of all people to see that these injustices and these behaviors are no longer carried out against black folks and people of color, period, point blank. And it's funny how you don't you want to tell LeBron James not to shut up about politics or what you consider politics, but you never said that to Tom Brady or Phillip Rivers or Drew Brees or anybody like that. Real real interesting that nobody tells them that. Hmm. Or Aaron Rodgers. Hmm. Interesting. All right, y'all. Coming up on the other side of the break. We'll be getting into a little NBA action as well as the Golden Globes happened on Sunday. The winners and losers who got snubbed, who didn't. Also, I'll bring on a very special guest, the host of the Big Brother Jake podcast. Jake Warner has some very important news to share with us as well. And we're going to get into the NFL. Of course, J.J. Watt is on the move. How does Russell Wilson feel about that? All that and more here on TMA with Nick Hamilton on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Stay tuned. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go. This is Tua Tungle Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the Playmaker Every. What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio. Serious XM. Yeah. All right, y'all. Welcome back to TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Make sure you follow me on social media, on Instagram and Facebook at Nick Hamilton LA and on Twitter at Nick Hamilton 213. Now, before the break, I told you we had a special guest who's going to tap in with us and actually have a, a couple of conversations on the NBA All-Star Weekend. What's going on with him and his podcast as he celebrates a milestone and uh, some controversial topics, including uh, what they consider free labor <laughs> and all of that and more. Uh, please help me welcome. He is the producer and, and editor for Podcast One. He's also an audio engineer uh, for the Clippers and Kings radio networks. And he is the host of the Big Brother Jake podcast. Yes, sir. <laughs> celebrating their 100th episode today, as a matter of fact. That's right. The one and only Jake Warner, his government name. What's going on, man? How you doing? What's good with it, man? It's good to be on your show, homeboy. <laughs> hey, man, I'm glad to have you, man. I had to take your moniker for a minute, man. I you love can, it. I, I love it. You do that you, all day. <laughs> you, can charge, you can charge my publishing later. Yeah, no, no worries, man. We'll work that out, you know, after the show. <laughs> hey, man, well, thank you for coming on. First of all, before I get started, congratulations on 100 episodes, man. Thank that you. is a milestone, especially in these days and times dealing with the pandemic. <laughs> And a lot of adjustments that have gone on in the last year or year and a half or so. Uh, what before I go further, man, what yeah. inspired you to start the Big Brother Jake podcast? I mean, we know you have a long career in, in news and sports media when mm -hmm. it comes to production and things of that nature. You have some big names that you buy by feel free to mention, by the way. <laughs> um, but what made you set out on your own and say, OK, this is my time. I'm going to go ahead and host my own podcast and then make it from one to now a hundred. Well, here's the thing, man. Like I've been producing, I've been in radio going on 21 years. Okay. And I felt I've made people sound good. My whole career, it was my turn. I mean, all my hosts, all my uh, talent, they'd come behind the glass and say, Hey, I need an idea for this. 
And they were using my stuff, which I gave them permission, obviously. But I'm like, man, you know what? If they can do it, they're asking me, why, why don't I just cut out the middleman and do it myself? So I invested in some extra equipment that I had. And um, at the time, there's a really cold garage where I was living uh, in San Dimas, California. And I decided, you know what? I think I'm going to try this out and, and, and see if I could do this. And the first episode was terrible. And <laughs> I admit that. But, you know, you got to get them 10,000 hours in. And, and I've been around enough people in this business uh, where I've learned a lot. You know, I've watched from the other side of the glass and how people can do things. And um, I decided I, I think I can, I can hang. I think I can do this thing. I, I have something to offer. And, and I think it would be entertaining, engaging. And, and I've always loved radio since I was five. It's the only thing I ever wanted to do. So I, I always wanted to host the show. And, and that's how that came about, man. No, man, that's spectacular. I mean, to go through the leaps and bounds that you had to go. When people don't understand how tough it is to just put a show together, just put a rundown together, man. because things, especially in our business, can change <laughs> at a moment's notice. Right, um, right. You can put something together at night, and by the morning, it'll be something else fresh. You oh, got to yeah. restart, do yep. your whole your whole rundown, your whole you know level of preparation, and you may only have 20, 30 minutes to do that. <laughs> yeah. You know. So, I yep. mean, for you to, to to talk a little bit about what, what does it mean to have 100 episodes of a project that you saw and that you cultivated over the course of time? Well, the thing is, I tried it as an experiment. Like, I just wanted to see if I could do it, you know, like, hey, let's try it out. But to be able to have people on like Stephen A. Smith um, that I worked with, um, Dodger personnel, Clipper personnel, um, Olympic champions, um, to me... That's what kept my drive going. It, it, and I never thought I'd make it, but I had a really good friend of mine after episode 50. I was done. I didn't want to do it no more because I wasn't inspired. I couldn't think of things to do. And she told me, look, you need to get off your butt and, and make this happen. This is your dream. And a lot of my inner circle, which I, I refer to a lot of my podcasts, they're the ones that got me you know, over a lot of things and said, you need to grind out, keep doing this. You're on to something. And that's what kept me going. And so to make it to 100, um, and I had a big elaborate plan. I was going to like rent out a restaurant. I had a DJ, everything, but, you know, the pandemic messed that up. But to me, it was like, man, 100 episodes, like even in TV shows, it's a big deal. I didn't think I could make it to 100. And I'm ready to do a million. Like, no, I'm, I'm ready. And just the love of being able to interview people, talk to people, talk about what I go through as a single father of three girls, you know, and working in the entertainment industry. I like to be open and share my life. So to make it to 100, man, it's I'm still bugging out over it. It hasn't even, you know, <laughs> this is crazy. But yeah, I, I love it. No, that's awesome, man. I mean, it's it's one thing to to be in this industry as long as you have and be, be the veteran that you are. But then you have to balance it out with between parenthood and oh, yeah. everyday life. Yeah. And trust me, I know what that's like being yes. being a parent myself and trying to balance <laughs> everything, especially within the pandemic with the school situation. Right. So, I mean, that's amazing. So what can people expect from the 100th episode? Oh, man, the 100th episode is going to be crazy, man. We got celebrities coming on, checking in with us. Um, some people that are very personal to my life. My mom actually said she'd do it. Like, so I'm interviewing my mama. You know, mama's going to be on there, some very close friends that, that are scared to do podcasts, don't even want to hear their voice. Um, but it's just going to be a big party, just celebrating, you know, going back to some of the episodes that, that people listen to and love. Uh, you know, I kind of put a poll out there, like, what do you want to hear? 
and, and a lot, I got a lot of feedback. So we're going to, you know, just reminisce a little bit and take it back to how we started from episode one to 100. But they can expect a good time. They can expect a lot of like, whoa, that person came on and, and, and said a couple words. Like, it's, it's going to be bananas, man. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, it's going to be fun. Absolutely. Where can they find it? Where, oh, where What network can they find it on? Well, <laughs> if we're going to make announcements today, we're going to do it. <laughs> um, I didn't get the Rockefeller chain yet, but um, eventually you'll hear it on Podcast One, you know, uh, as of today, Tuesday. Um, we can also be found on SoundCloud.com slash the Big Brother Jake Podcast. You, you can also go to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Pandora. Uh, type in the keyword search, Big Brother Jake Podcast, and, and you'll find it there. Absolutely, man. Well, congratulations. That's huge. Thanks, man. See, I, I brought mean, the I, news here, baby. There you go, man. Right there. Appreciate it, man. Yes, sir. Yo, that's big. So, speaking of big, we know we're, we're in the, probably the tail end of the NBA, first oh, yeah. half of the NBA season. We know what the Lakers have gone through, the ups and downs, especially with the absence of Anthony Davis and Dennis Schroeder for a period of time. Yeah. Uh, since he's come back, Dennis Schroeder uh, has, has got to help guide the Lakers to uh, going 2-0 and since his return, which has been remarkable. And they yeah. blew out the Warriors on Sunday. It wasn't even a contest. Nope. Um, but now they have, a, they have a couple of tough games uh, coming up, obviously against the uh, the Phoenix Suns, who are currently in the fourth spot in the Western mm-hmm. Conference, who really turned it on. I mean, oh, a lot of props oh, yeah. To, yeah. to Monty Williams and, and, and Chris Paul and, and Devin Booker and DeAndre Aiden and those guys. But yeah. what, what do you, how do you see the, the Lakers ending the first, first half of the season? Um, and then – what do you see? Do you see LeBron kind of scaling back some minutes? You think Frank Vogel will have the gall to say, <laughs> "Okay, LeBron, I'm only going to play you 25 minutes tonight." Oh no, that ain't going to happen. And I think that's because LeBron won't let that happen. I mean, yeah, we all like nights off, but that guy, he's a competitor, man. So he's not going to settle for less minutes. I mean, I know people have load management and whatnot, but the way the Lakers are in this this first half of the season, um, they're doing well. They're back to where they need to be. You know, they just need to make a few adjustments until AD comes back. But I think they'll be fine. I'm not worried about the Lakers. I'm, I'm really not worried about the Utah Jazz. I, as good as they are, I think the Lakers will be able to beat them in a seven-game series easily, maybe five, six games. But they just got to maintain until AD gets back. And they got the pieces right now where they can maintain and stay afloat until he comes back. I don't worry about the Lakers whatsoever. You know, they're – Teams are going to go through slumps. Every good team goes through a slump. Lakers, you know, they people that don't really follow the Lakers, they don't see that every team goes through that. They're going to be just fine. I don't worry for them whatsoever. They're going to be a force to be reckoned with. And when AD comes back, even more so. But, yeah, the Lakers will be fine. They'll be fine. Now, let's talk about the team across the hall, a team that you do work, in, work yes. with, which are the Los Angeles Clippers, yes. who were pretty much shut down in the last four minutes of the fourth quarter on Sunday against yeah. the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis. Uh, my question is, when you look at this Clippers team, and they have, they're have they loaded with talent, obviously. Yeah. We know about Nick Batum. We know mm-hmm. about Serge Ibaka. Well, obviously, we, we don't need to even speak on Paul George or Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. But when I look at this team, and I look at the bench. I mean, the inconsistency from the bench. And yeah. I even asked Ty Lue this question yeah. directly when I said, hey, are you concerned about the inconsistency of this bench? Because there's nights where, you know, Lou Williams, who's a talented player, he can go off and give you maybe 15 to 20. And then yeah. there's times where he'll only have six. He'll only have six points in about 20 minutes worth of work. And then you have Patrick Beverly, who will struggle or maybe be hesitant to shoot the ball when he yeah. should be shooting the ball. 
So what do you see from this Clippers team and how concerned should Clippers fans be uh, moving into the second half of the NBA season? Well, I think with the Clippers, they, they just got to get it together with the bench, man. Because Paul George and, and Kawhi, they're going to give you your points. They're going to get theirs, you know. But Lou Williams has to be back to Lou Williams. There's some nights where it's like, yeah, everybody wrote him off, and it's believable. And then there's some nights he's like, damn, he, he dropped 22 on us? So the bench, like you were saying, has to be a lot more consistent. Uh, they have they have to stay on their defensive game. Um, they, they slack a little at times, and – Last year, they were a lot better. Patrick Beverly has to get back to how Patrick Beverly plays. And, and a lot of that's because he has knee problems. He, he's playing hurt. And, and, and it's not an excuse because if you can suit up and play, you got to be able to play. But the consistency and the need to, you know, recover from these injuries in order to be a force again. But I, I don't worry for them either. But they do need to work on that consistency with the bench, 100%. You know, and Paul George, he, he I think uh, the Ty, Ty Lue's coaching suits his game best. So you're going to get a lot out of Paul George, and you're going to get a lot out of Kawhi. But it's the rest of the team you got to worry about, and um, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Yeah, the Clippers actually have two games remaining against the Boston Celtics and against the Washington Wizards on the road before the All-Star break. But yeah. one question I want to bring to you is, we always talk about culture and guys developing culture. We look at LeBron James and what he's done, Steph Curry at Golden State. Uh, we even look at, you know, Kevin Durant and mm -hmm. what he's done with, with Kyrie and, and now James Harden in, in Brooklyn. But my question to you would be, is Kawhi the right guy to build a franchise around? That's kind of hard because I work for the team, but um, you can build a franchise around Kawhi. Kawhi's not the rah-rah in, in the locker room type guy, but you can build around his game and how he plays the game and, and give him pieces that's going to work. You can do that, and, and he's been a proven winner. I mean, he went to Toronto, and they tried to just send him off to you know, exile, and it backfired for the Spurs. He ends up coming home with a ring in Toronto. So obviously the man's a winner. Obviously the man can win and play, you know, win championships and play the game well. So yes, you can build a team around Kawhi, but you need the pieces that you need a strong locker room presence. You get that with Patrick Beverly, you'll get that, and, and, and even Lou Williams, you know, he he has a presence in the locker room too. So yeah, they're consistent. I, I mean, they're, they're, you can build the team around them, but they just need more consistency. That's the thing. They're still finding their ways, but the culture on that team, the, the culture of the locker room. Is a good one. Everyone gets along with each other, you know, and, and they have a good time playing together. Yeah, I look, I look at the culture, but I also look at the chemistry. And yes. it's something that I see when it comes to chemistry, when it comes to the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, oh, there was a lot of talk yeah. and controversy and saying, hey, now you're going to add James Harden. Who the hell is going to get the ball? You got to have a bunch of ball stoppers. Yeah. You know, KD's not going to be <laughs> extremely thrilled once it all yeah. comes together. And that's been further from the truth. I mean, oh, yeah. even when – when KD and 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 these guys have been out there, the, the limited amount of time they've been out there, they've still been right. able to win. I mean, they just recently got their eight-game winning streak snapped, but that's because there was no no Kyrie Irving, no Ke no Kevin Durant. It was just James right. Harden. So it looked like the the miniature Houston Rockets, yeah, just in a in a darker uniform. Right. Um, but what what has been in your estimation? What has been uh -huh. the key to this success of the of the uh, Brooklyn Nets with those three? I think what it is is they actually put their egos aside. Everyone was worried that you have those three people on your team, you know, not enough basketball to be passed around. But they have created a culture of winning. And they're championship or bust. They've adapted that mindset, 
And, you know, KD has something to prove. He's coming off the injury. You know, everybody said he, he bolted and went to Golden State. You know, so, and he, you know, he missed his first year with Brooklyn. So now he has something to prove. And James Harden has something to prove because he hasn't won a ring. And Kyrie has something to prove because, you know, he was in LeBron's shadow for a long time when he was in, in Cleveland. So these guys are putting all that ego aside, and they want to win. They don't care about stats. They're going to put up the numbers. And, yeah, of course, Stephen Harden, he, he likes those, those stats. But, but they've adapted that culture of winning and checking their egos, and that's why they're playing such good basketball right now. Yeah, I would agree. I say them in the in the Sixers, but the the surprising team in the East has been the New York Knicks. Yeah, I mean they have reemerged. That they're Randall. fourth in the East. Yeah, Julius yes. Randle, he might be most improved player of the, of the year because he's been balling out. Like if he was, he he didn't do this for the Lakers. I grew up a Laker fan, even though I work for the Clippers. <laughs> I mean, I will say it, and they know that. But Julius Randle's playing like a man possessed, and that's been the key for the Knicks. I mean, they have a lot of great parts, but you're not where you are as the New York Knicks without Julius Randle's play right now. He's playing out of his mind. Absolutely. And credit to Tom Thibodeau on the coaching on the coaching staff as well. I think that's, yeah. that's been a key is also that people are kind of overlooking right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. The coaching staff, you know, they've made a lot of adjustments to the players they have on the team and, and, and gotten the best out of their players. And it's resulted in successful basketball. So I would not sleep on the Knicks whatsoever. You know, they've always been, the marquee franchise in that city, but now Brooklyn's taking that away from them. And they're like, wait a minute, we're the Knicks. You know, we're going to make some noise too. And that's what they're starting to do. So I would not, uh, you know, overlook the Knicks at this point right now at all. Well, in the words of the late great Biggie Smalls, where Brooklyn at? Where Brooklyn at? Because that's exactly. who's taking over right now. They as far are, as the man. They are. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> Last thing before I let you get on out of here, man, I yes, want to sir. talk to you about a, a subject and a topic that's probably near and dear to our hearts, at least at one point in time yes. in this business, and that's free labor. Well, a.k.a. interning. Well, now, there's been a lot of controversy the last few days uh, about, you know, companies hiring people to be interns and not paying them for their services yeah. or for their labor, which I I see both sides. I, I yeah. see the side of, yes, everybody wants to be compensated, right? I mean, right. if you are sweeping the, a piece of the curb, you want to be compensated for sweeping that curb. And I totally right. get it because of yeah. the society that we live in, which mm-hmm. I always tell people, if you're not a capitalist, then you work your ass for free. Yeah. Because it's about capital. What do you work for? You work for capital to advance right. yourself, to make a, a better life and a better living for your for you and those who may be around you. So right. you're a capitalist. Nothing yeah. wrong with capitalism unless it gets corrupted. When I say that, I also understand interning and the power of interning and networking and yeah. being able to move up, up up the ladder and be able to later on, maybe not right then, but you go back, you go up maybe two, three, four, five years. Right. And you hey remember oh yeah i remember you you really you know really yeah. worked hard yeah okay yeah. wish you ready now you're getting a job because that person that you intern under is now the head of the of the department that you're trying to work for for that particular right. company and network so what are your thoughts on the whole interning and and not being paid or being paid and what what, what are your thoughts on that well here's my thing um to me it's kind of like a rite of passage uh because i came up old school where you did intern and you worked your ass off uh, to make sure you got your place in the business. You got the respect of your peers by putting in the work. Um, but there comes a time too where how long are you supposed to do that before, you know, it becomes free labor? 
And there's a fine line that, you know, that can be crossed. When I came up, I interned for three different uh, radio shows or three different radio stations all over L.A. and worked a 40-hour work week. So I had the love for it. And I think, to me, if I see people that are hungry and working their ass off to try and get where they're going, as an intern, I'm more likely to be like, man, I remember you. You busted your ass. I want you to be down with us. But there is that fine line where how long is too long? Like, okay, it's been like, what, six months? I'm still not getting paid now, man. You're getting free labor out of me. And that's where people got to speak up for themselves and say, no, we ain't doing this right now. Because people will take advantage, especially in this business. You can get something for free. You're going to do it. You know, I know that just working in this business 21 years, they're going to go after you. So, yeah, it's a fine line, man. But, you know, it's a rite of passage. But, you know, there's that thin line like, okay, that's enough, man. Pay me or, or, or let me go. Yeah, absolutely. I think there needs to be a, a, a some type of ground rules yes. saying, hey, we're only going to allow you here for 12 months if you make it 12 months. And if you do, then either we'll offer you a position with our firm yep. or, you know, we'll write you a hell of a recommendation yeah. to be able to get you to another opportunity or get you to a series of opportunities where you can start to make money. I absolutely. think that needs to happen as well. I think you need to yep. make it uh, affordable and and applicable to people that do put in the work and put in the hours and the time because i i tell this to people all the time even kids i've spoken to in colleges yeah and i said you look man my first 13 months man i was locked down because i had a part-time gig but at the same time i was interning 21 hours a week and starting to cover events around the city and Mm -hmm. going to school so i mean if you really want it yeah would, would i have loved to gotten paid you know, for my 21 hours. Absolutely. Yeah. Even if I was getting paid $10 an hour, right. still is better than zero. Right? Yeah, right. But the experiences and the relationships that I'm, that I made, that I've able to, I was able to uh, obtain and, and, and still maintain to this day right. um, at that station and at that network and the people that are no longer at the network, but still, we still cross paths. I mean, those relationships, yep. man, to me are priceless. Right. Um, so I understand, like I said, I understand both sides. I think you made a very valid point that needs to be some type of limit in writing yeah. to say, okay, you can only do X, Y, Z. Because I remember there was a point where companies stopped doing unpaid internships because oh, they yeah. started filing law. People were filing lawsuits and class action suits against them and other companies. And that just killed. And to me, I thought that killed a lot of opportunity for young kids, especially kids in college, because that that cut off an opportunity for them to get experience. So when they right. do go out for the jobs, when they graduate or about to graduate, they do have some experience in those yeah. particular fields. So it makes it a little bit easier for them. Absolutely. And, and that's the thing. I, interning taught me a lot. But I, I, when I was an intern, I made sure my work spoke for itself. You know, I wasn't trying, because you get interns, and you've seen this too in this business, you get interns that they want to be on the air and they, they, they're going to do everything they can trying to be in people's conversations. Nah, work your ass off. Let your work do your talking for you. Keep your mouth shut and your head down. And people notice that. You know, people, res- good people respect hard work. And, and, and I was, of course, I wanted to be on the air. Of course, I wanted to do all those fun things. But if I had a chance to print up papers for the host, you know, to get him stats, so what, you know, to help him what he's talking about. I took joy in everything I did, even though I wasn't getting paid for it. But it's because I had love for what I was about to start doing in radio. And But there is that fine line. Nobody should have to work for free after a while. And I think I was going on 
three to four months when I was over at Fox Sports Radio, and I said, listen, I, I'm a married man. I work my ass off. You ain't going to get no more free work out of me. So I either, I either get hired or you let me go. And then I had a gig like the next day because I spoke up for myself. And that's the one thing as an intern that these young kids got to understand. I call them kids. I'm old. Man. I'm 44. But the thing is, you've got to speak up for yourself. Let your work do the talking for you. Don't be a doormat because people will not respect you if you don't speak up for yourself. That's just facts. So, you know, you got to stand up for yourself. You know what I'm saying? So Absolutely. Yeah. Man, I, I could not agree more. Well, you know what, man? It's been fun. I know you're busy. Yeah. You know, you got the show <laughs> going on today. So I really appreciate your time. The one and only Jake Warner. Please let everyone know yeah. they can keep up with you and all of your great work. Oh, man. Well, I'm heavy on Instagram. So if you go at Big Brother Jake or even on Twitter, at Big Brother Jake, hit me up anytime. We can chop it up, discuss it. You know, I can be found there. All right, the one and only Jake Warner. Thank you so much, man. We will talk to you soon. Yes, sir. And you got to come on the Big Brother Jake podcast, man. Hey, man, I haven't gotten an invite, bro. I have, I have not received an invitation to the you gathering are... known as the Big Brother Jake podcast. <laughs> you, you, you're coming up soon, man. Next couple okay. episodes, what's happening? So hey, man, I'm there ready. whenever you need me. Be ready so you have to get ready. Hey, I'll stay ready, brother. Thank yes, you so much. Thanks for having me. All right, y'all. Coming up on the other side of the break, we'll be getting into the NFL and JJ Watt is on the move. And how does Russell Wilson feel about that? As well as what's going on with Dak and what will we what will be happening rather with Deshaun Watson? All that and more here on TMA with Nick Hamilton on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Stay tuned. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, y'all, back for the final segment of TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM, Slam Radio 145. Make sure you follow me on all things social media. Yeah, that is only on fa- uh, excuse me, Facebook and Instagram at Nick Hamilton LA and on Twitter at Nick Hamilton 213. Now, I told y'all I was going to get into some NFL talk. I was definitely going to get into some NFL football. And, of course, the quarterbacks, who are the most important players on the field since it is a quarterback driven league not to say that the wide receivers or, any, or the defense is not important but these are the mainstay guys because the league has guided themselves into this type of mentality and thinking three quarterbacks come to mind russell wilson dak prescott and deshaun watson now i've talked at nauseam almost about deshaun watson and what the houston Texans need to do and they need to continue to do right by this man and let him go he already met with the coach last week and said, hey, I don't want to be here. No disrespect to you, but I don't want to be here. I don't want to be with this organization. I love the city. I love, you know, obviously he he has a good rapport with the players in the locker room, but he doesn't want to play for the organization. So let him go. And Houston is, is trying their damnness to keep him, which I don't understand. Why would you want somebody who doesn't want to be there and disgruntled and possibly disgruntled versus having a person that wants to be there and moving forward like it's like a dude that won't let his girlfriend go like she doesn't want to be in a relationship with you anymore man get get the memo she doesn't want to be with you anymore the relationship is pretty much over like just let her go let her be happy and i feel like this is the same thing the houston texans are trying to handcuff deshaun watson it's nothing you can do in the words of the of the of the, of the r&b songwriter and, and singer r kelly when a woman's fed up, it ain't nothing you can do about it. And I'm not calling Deshaun Watson a woman. I'm just using it as an example. 
And I'm saying basically when a person is fed up, there's nothing you can do about it. And Deshaun Watson is clearly fed up with that organization. Now, will he be moved? That's a different conversation. I hope personally that he's moved. So for his own happiness. And don't give me this nonsense about loyalty or you signed a contract or you need to honor your contract because these organizations don't honor their contracts. Because at any point in time, they could either cut a player, trade them, or just run them into the ground to where they have no value and ruin their futures, these players' futures. So I don't want to hear anything about loyalty when it comes to this game and this business because there is no loyalty. There's no loyalty when the organizations to the players, even though they tell them that initially, and then once they get all the they get all the, the, the good out of them or the juice out of them and they squeeze them juiceless, they don't care anymore. They're just a limited, they're just another commodity they, they can trade off or pawn off. And that's exactly what's happening here. So hopefully Deshaun Watson will get free and he'll go to a team that he desires and that the organization will be a much better organization. Hopefully it'll be a winning organization where he can try to compete for championships because that's what Deshaun Watson wants to do. That's why he got in the league. This, this is the kid that wants to compete for championships. You can't hate on that at all. But somebody who's already competed for a championship and wants to compete for more is Russell Wilson. And I've always said that Russell Wilson has done more with less. Yes, he's had an opportunity to play opposite the Legion of Boom. And we know how how potent and lethal they were, which is why they got a, a world, you know, excuse me, a Super Bowl championship. And they went to the Super Bowl twice. They had Marshawn Lynch, one of the hardest running guys I've ever witnessed. And they had at one point in time, they had a squad. But the problem is, here's the problem on both sides of the coin. I'll start with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson took way too much money. And when you have a league that is very cap cap strict, which means they can only allow to they're only allowed to spend so much money. And so when you take an enormous amount of money, they don't have the monies to delegate for other positions that are needed to be filled. So if there's a defensive position that needs to be filled or an offensive position, whether it be a running back, a wide receiver, tight end, offensive lineman, so forth and so on. They may not have the money to get that big top notch offensive lineman or that top notch wide receiver because they don't have the money to spend because of the cap. And I'm not blaming Russell Wilson for that. I'm just saying he took a lot of money. He didn't adapt the Tom Brady philosophy, which is the reason why Tom Brady was so successful throughout those years is because Tom Brady took less money. So more money could be spent on bigger and, and better talent around him, because if you could surround a quarterback with top notch talent or even top, you know, one A or one B type talent, you can get the job done. You have a better probability of success when it comes to getting to the Super Bowl versus not. And that was the problem here. But as an organization for the Seattle Seahawks, they believe too much into Pete Carroll. And yes, at once upon a time, Pete Carroll was the top of the top when it comes to coaching, especially when he arrived back in the NFL coming from USC. And I'm not I'm not saying he was a terrible coach. Pete Carroll was was a top notch coach at one point in time, but that time has passed. And the, the, the organization continues to believe in somebody that they're, they're past their prime when it comes to coaching. And this is why you don't have an O-line to protect Russell Wilson with. You don't have a running game. I mean, yeah, you got DK Metcalf, 
But what else do you have to show for it? And this is why Russell Wilson is screaming, hey, man, come save me. Because the O-line can't protect me. This dude has been sacked an enormous amount of times, unnecessarily. Because if you had a solid O-line to protect you, he has time to get away. He's athletic enough. He can move around in and out of the pocket. But he can't do that if you don't have the proper O-line to give him enough time to get the ball off and to see where he needs to get the ball to. But I will say Seattle needs to do right by Russell Wilson. But the problem is the team gave up over the course of time. The team gave up a lot of draft capital. And that's part of the problem, too. So I don't see Russell Wilson moving away from Seattle. I mean, this guy's the epitome of Seattle. I mean, he every sentence he was like, go Hawks. And that became a, a, a statement, uh, you know, in, in, in when people start to talk. I mean, this guy invested into the soccer team. He's done a lot of great things in the city of Seattle and around in, in surrounding areas. Um, you know, he supported the Seattle Storm. Um, you know, it's a lot. He's the, he's been a, a leader in that community for many, many, many years. I mean, he's a family man. Um, you know, he hasn't gotten into any off the field trouble. He's he has not sullied the name of the Seattle Seahawks organization. This is a guy you need to do right by, because guess what? Other quarterbacks are watching how you treat Russell Wilson. And if they're saying, hey, if you treat your prodigal son like this, what the hell are they going to treat me like? And I can't blame them for that. If you treat a guy that you say that this is your franchise quarterback, this is your kid, this is your son, so to speak. And you treat him like this. You don't think it's going to be hard for free agents to want to visit the Seattle Seahawks? as a possible destination to sign with, and you're doing this to Russell Wilson? Think about the future. Play the long game, Seattle. Play the long game. Because let me tell you something. With the news of J.J. Watt joining the Arizona Cardinals, that's not something that's going to slow down Russell Wilson's train when it comes to him wanting more control and or him wanting out of Seattle. Think about he, who he has to face and just in his division alone. He has Isaiah Simmons. Now he has J.J. Watt, who still has two good years left in him. You have to face Aaron Donald, and you got to face Nick Bosa. Twice a year. You think Russell Wilson is looking forward to those eight games? I think not. And you don't want to do anything to protect him? To keep the longevity of his career going? And now all of a sudden you're scratching your head because he's starting to speak up. No, he's fed up. Just like I said with Deshaun Watson, he's fed up. And quarterbacks are starting to dictate their way into the positions that they want to get into, much like how we saw LeBron James do it and James Harden and and countless other guys in the NBA. NFL guys are taking a page out of the NBA's book. And there's going to be more and more coming coming into that fold. So good luck, Seattle. We'll see what happens. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he stays another year and then, you know, he moves on because of the, the, the amount of money that he commands for this upcoming season. And it's going to be a cap hit to any other team. But it wouldn't surprise me if they decide to move him either. And I say the same thing about Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott for the, for the Dallas Cowboys has been their best quarterback in a long time. 
The problem with Dak is he's not a top five or a top ten quarterback. So it's hard for him to to, to contend for the type of top-tier money he wants to get from the Dallas Cowboys. And I think that's what the Dallas Cowboys are hanging their hats on. And unfortunately, he did catch a very bad injury. And hopefully, I do believe he will come back stronger from that injury. But it's going to take a while to come back from that type of injury. It usually takes you a season or two to fully come back from those type of injuries. And I've spoken to a couple of physicians that deal uh, with those athletic type of injuries. And they told me it usually takes one or two seasons if you're going to make a strong comeback. So I understand the Dallas Cowboys hesitation to a degree about signing Dak to a big time deal. But who else are you going to get? Because unless you're going to trade for a quarterback like Russell Wilson, or you're going to trade for Deshaun Watson, you might as well keep Dak. Because you have won games with Dak. Dak has won you games. And Dak has won you close games at times. And everybody wants to focus on Ezekiel Elliott. I'm not taking anything away from his talent, but Ezekiel has been a, a huge disappointment the last couple of years. And Dak has definitely been steadfast on what he's trying to build and what he's trying to become as a quarterback in the National Football League. So will he get max money? Maybe not. But if you pay him, maybe add a, a bunch of incentives to it, the two sides could be happy and that could remain under the stars in Dallas. But we'll see. Another topic I want to talk about, this is my three cents. This is where I talk about anything in the world, sports, politics, pop culture, lifestyle, tech, whatever it is, I am going to talk about it. Now, recently, Mike Tomlin, who is the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, who has never had a losing season since he's began gracing the sidelines of the Steelers, which is a remarkable accomplishment in itself in today's NFL, said, I had a quote and basically said he uh, Eric, he was uh, saying that Eric B. Enemy not being a head coach is a head scratcher. Well, this is something we've all said, and not just Eric B. Enemy, but a lot of other different coaches that had, and coordinators that needed an opportunity to get back into football as a head coach in the National Football League or just having a fresh opportunity in the NFL. And to me, Mike Tomlin, for him to say this, that is the head scratcher. Because when you look at Mike Tomlin's staff, where are the black coordinators on his staff? I haven't seen any, have you? So why is Mike Tomlin, of all people, complaining about a head coaching staff that doesn't consist of at least 50% Black coordinators and, and, and assistant coaches. I don't understand that philosophy because Mike Tomlin is, is, is just as guilty and contributing to the problem as anyone else. Because when you look at Mike Tomlin, what has he done to further the opportunities for assistant coaches and coordinators around the league that happen to be black? I mean, you look at Bruce Arians, who had a second chance. Bruce Arians is the anomaly when it comes to head coaches because Bruce Arians has two black coordinators. He has a special teams coordinator that's black. He has two women that are highly football intelligent. And two of the coordinators in, in Byron Leftwich and Ty Bowles. And I'm, I'm saying to myself, after this upcoming season in 2022, Ty Bowles needs to be a head coach somewhere. 
So if anybody should be speaking on the lack of diversity when it comes to head coaches, I'm thinking Bruce Arians has a very strong case because he's the one that's trying to help the situation, not hinder it. Mike Tomlin has done nothing to help the situation. Nothing. And I know that may not be a popular opinion, but tell me if I'm lying. I'll wait. The same thing I looked at Anthony Glenn. And I like Anthony Lynn. I think Anthony Lynn was a good coach. I think he could have used another year, especially under a pandemic. But he, he he left as a winning coach, 33 and 31. But when I look at the diverse, when I look at the diversity of his coaching staff, I didn't see that many brothers on the coaching staff. I really didn't. And so, I mean, the special teams coach at one time, but I didn't see a lot of brothers on the coaching staff. And I, 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 I covered the Chargers for many years. And that's the problem with black coaches. They're so concerned about something being too black or too this or too that. To hell with that. If you're saying there is a problem or an agreement that there is a problem, then what the hell are you doing with your platform to to help better the situation? Because if you're not helping to better the situation, then what you're doing is hindering it. And you're just as guilty as the folks that continue to ignore this problem, like many people in ownership and many upper management people that don't allow the opportunity for black and minority coaches to have the to have chances to grace the sidelines of 31 of 32 NFL teams that's the problem and until folks on the sidelines start doing something about it i don't want to hear from mike tomlin i don't want to hear from anybody else that's not that's, that that is not contributing to solving this issue that means you hire coordinators even women coordinators but if you don't hire women coordinators if you don't hire black coordinators or minority coaches then you're just a big, as big a part of the problem as anyone else. So you need to sit back and have a tall glass and shut the hell up. Because if you don't, you look like an absolute idiot. So that's what I have to say on that. That's my three cents for this week when it comes to the world. And that is my three cents for this week when it comes to the lack of diversity when it comes to football coaches and coordinators in the NFL. Hopefully it continues to improve, but I will continue to use my platform at all costs to bring awareness to this growing problem until we find a solution and have a solution to this problem. All right, y'all, that is my show for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you miss any portion of this broadcast, make sure you download and subscribe to me on all so all streaming platforms uh, i'd like to thank my guest jake warner from the big brother jake podcast and i could thank you all for tuning in and listening i'd like to thank all the good folks over at slam radio xm as well as everybody at sirius and nightcast media until next time take care stay sharp i'm out the views and opinions expressed on tma with nick hamilton extra dose are entirely those of the host guests and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.